Chapter Twenty Four of Tales of a Traveler by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. Chapter Twenty Two The Adventure of the Popkins Family. It was but a few days before that, that the carriage of Alderman Popkins had driven up to the inn of Teresina. Those who have seen an English family carriage on the continent must know the sensation it produces. It is an epitome of England, a little morsel of the old island rolling about the world. Everything so compact, so snug, so finished and fitting. The wheels that roll on patent axles without rattling. The body that hangs so well on its springs, yielding to every motion yet proof against every shock. The ruddy faces gaping out of the windows, sometimes of a portly old citizen, sometimes of a voluminous dowager, and sometimes of a fine fresh hoyden, just from boarding school, and then the dickies loaded with well-dressed servants, beef-fed and bluff, looking down from their heights with contempt on all the world around profoundly ignorant of the country and the people, and devoutly certain that everything not English must be wrong. Such was the carriage of Alderman Popkins, as it made its appearance at Teresina. The courier who had preceded it, to order horses, and who was a Neapolitan, had given a magnificent account of the riches and greatness of his master, blundering with all an Italian splendor, of imagination about the alderman's titles and dignities the host had added his usual share of exaggeration so that by the time the alderman drove up to the door he was a milor magnifico principe the lord knows what the alderman was advised to take an escort to fondi and Ytri, but he refused it was as much as a man's life was worth he said to stop him on the king's highway he would complain of it to the ambassador at naples he would make a national affair of it the principisa popkins a fresh motherly dame seemed perfectly secure in the protection of her husband so omnipotent a man in the city the signorini popkins two fine bouncing girls looked to their brother tom who had taken lessons in boxing and as to the dandy himself he was sure no scaramouche of an italian robber would dare to meddle with an englishman the landlord shrugged his shoulders and turned out the palms of his hands with a true italian grimace and the carriage of milor popkins rolled on they passed through several very suspicious places without any molestation the misses popkins who were very romantic and had learned to draw in water colors were enchanted with the savage scenery around. It was so like what they had read in Mrs. Radcliffe's romances. They should like, of all things, to make sketches. At length, the carriage arrived at a place where the road wound up a long hill. Mrs. Popkins had sunk into a sleep. The young ladies were reading the last works of Sir Walter Scott and Lord Byron, and the dandy was hectoring the postilions from the coach-box. The alderman got out, as he said, to stretch his legs up the hill. It was a long, winding ascent, 
and obliged him every now and then to stop and blow and wipe his forehead with many a pish and a phew being rather pursy and short of wind as the carriage however was far behind him and toiling slowly under the weight of so many well-stuffed trunks and well-stuffed travellers he had plenty of time to walk at leisure on a jutting point of rock that overhung the road nearly at the summit of the hill just where the route began again to descend he saw a solitary man seated who appeared to be tending goats alderman popkins was one of your shrewd travellers that always like to be picking up small information along the road so he thought he'd just scramble up to the honest man and have a little talk with him by way of learning the news and getting a lesson in italian as he drew near to the peasant he did not half like his looks he was partly reclining on the rocks wrapped in the usual long mantle which with his slouched hat only left a part of his swarthy visage with a keen black eye a beetle brow and a fierce moustache to be seen he had whistled several times to his dog which was roving about the side of the hill as the alderman approached he rose and greeted him when standing erect he seemed almost gigantic at least in the eyes of alderman popkins who however being a short man might be deceived the latter would gladly now have been back in the carriage or even on change in london for he was by no means well pleased with his company however he determined to put the best face on matters and was beginning a conversation about the state of the weather the baddishness of the crops and the price of goats in that part of the country when he heard a violent screaming he ran to the edge of the rock and looking over saw away down the road his carriage surrounded by robbers one held down the fat footman another had the dandy by his starched cravat with a pistol to his head one was rummaging a portmanteau another rummaging the principisa's pockets while the two misses popkins were screaming from each window of the carriage and their waiting maid squalling from the dicky alderman popkins felt all the fury of the parent and the magistrate roused within him he grasped his cane and was on the point of scrambling down the rocks either to assault the robbers or to read the riot act when he was suddenly grasped by the arm it was by his friend the goat-herd whose cloak falling partly off discovered a belt stuck full of pistols and stilettos in short he found himself in the clutches of the captain of the band who had stationed himself on the rock to look out for travellers and to give notice to his men a sad ransacking took place trunks were turned inside out and all the finery and the frippery of the popkins family scattered about the road such a chaos of venice beads and roman mosaics and paris bonnets of the young ladies mingled with the alderman's nightcaps and lamb's wool stockings and the dandy's hairbrushes stays and starched cravats the gentlemen were eased of their purses and their watches the ladies of their jewels and the whole party were on the point of being carried up into the mountain when fortunately the appearance of soldiery at a distance obliged the robbers to make off with the spoils they had secured and leave the popkins family to gather together the remnants of their effects and make the best of their way to fondy 
when safe arrived the alderman made a terrible blustering at the inn threatened to complain to the ambassador at naples and was ready to shake his cane at the whole country the dandy had many stories to tell of his scuffles with the brigands who overpowered him merely by numbers as to the mrs popkins they were quite delighted with the adventure and were occupied the whole evening in writing it in their journals they declared the captain of the band to be a most romantic-looking man they dared to say some unfortunate lover or exiled nobleman and several of the band to be very handsome young men quite picturesque in verity said mine host of teresina they say the captain of the band is un gallant uomo a gallant man said the englishman i'd have your gallant man hanged like a dog to dare to meddle with englishmen said mr hobbs and such a family as the popkinses said mr dobbs they ought to come upon the country for damages said mr hobbs our ambassador should make a complaint to the government of naples said mr dobbs they should be requested to drive these rascals out of the country said hobbs if they did not we should declare war against them said dobbs the englishman was a little wearied by this story and by the ultra zeal of his countrymen and was glad when a summons to their supper relieved him from a crowd of travellers he walked out with his venetian friends and a young frenchman of an interesting demeanour who had become sociable with them in the course of the conversation they directed their steps toward the sea which was lit up by the rising moon the venetian out of politeness left his beautiful wife to be escorted by the englishman the latter however either from shyness or reserve did not avail himself of the civility but walked on without offering his arm the fair venetian with all her devotion to her husband was a little nettled at a want of gallantry to which her charms had rendered her unaccustomed and took the proffered arm of the frenchman with a pretty air of pique which however was entirely lost upon the phlegmatic delinquent not far distant from the inn they came to where there was a body of soldiers on the beach encircling and guarding a number of galley slaves who were permitted to refresh themselves in the evening breeze and to sport and roll upon the sand it was difficult the frenchman observed to conceive a more frightful mass of crime than was here collected the parricide the fratricide the infanticide who had first fled from justice and turned mountain bandit and then by betraying his brother desperados had bought a commutation of punishment and the privilege of wallowing on the shore for an hour a day with this wretched crew of miscreants the remark of the frenchman had a strong effect upon the company particularly upon the venetian lady who shuddered as she cast a timid look at this horde of wretches at their evening relaxation they seemed she said like so many serpents wreathing and twisting together the frenchmen now adverted to the stories they had been listening to at the inn adding that if they had any further curiosity on the subject he could recount an adventure which happened to himself among the robbers and which might give them some idea of the habits and manners of those beings there was an air of modesty and frankness about the frenchman who had gained the good-will of the whole party not even excepting the englishman 
they all gladly accepted his proposition and as they strolled slowly up and down the seashore he related the following adventure end of chapter twenty four recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida